0: Invite the people that work with AI. The only thing that they don't know about is your problems. And you don't have to learn about AI or digital twins or all this kind of, again, like the buzzword bingo, because that's what everyone else is for. Just make it easy for anyone else to come into your reality, define your reality and help them as much as you can. You're listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders on how they create optimal value in a smart world context. We combine strategy and technology talk to absorb reality, embrace uncertainty, and to go from path dependency to path creation. It's smart cities, it's smart buildings, it's data strategies, it's construction, real estate and industry 4.0. And most of all, it's smart people. And remember, it's the data that you don't have that will change your life with your host,
1: the future shaper, the ecosystem architect, Nicholas Word. Welcome to the first session here on day four of Smart Buildings Connect. Uh, in this session, we're going to be talking a little bit about how we create smart buildings and the importance of all the different stakeholders within the industry to really make this vision happen. I'm joined by two very, very special guests today. First, Bryce Anderson, all the way from Australia, based in Melbourne. Bryce is an independent building management system consultant. He provides BMS specialist consulting services, various company lifecycle controls, and also provides technical training to BMS companies. You can find him on YouTube. He's got some really interesting videos there, kind of spreading knowledge about the basics that really keep our buildings running effectively. My second guest is Nicholas Van. Nicholas is a digital tween evangelist, and he's got a great grin at me right now because I'm struggling with his name every time, but I hope <laughs> we got, I got it right for you, Nicholas. He is a strategy and innovation expert as well, helping leaders really succeed in the age of AI or artificial intelligence. The CEO and founder of Winio, and he also has a podcast called The Beyond Buildings Podcast. Bryce, Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to be here? So we're talking about smart buildings today, and I thought we'd start the conversation understanding a little bit from your perspective what a smart building is. So I'll pass Bryce to you first. When you think about smart buildings, what do you consider a smart building to be? I think that if you had asked 10 different people what a smart
2: building was, I think we'd all have sort of different answers. And I'm definitely one of those people that has a slightly different opinion about what a smart building is. So, for me personally, being a BMS consultant, most of the technology that I'm interested in is actually inside the building. And I could sort of perhaps summarize into three main points that I think would make a smart building from my point of view, my personal experience. The first is that we really have to have a highly advanced, energy-efficient mechanical control system, controlling all the borders and the chillers and all of our equipment. The second thing that we have to have is really good quality data collection. If we collect good quality data within the building and within our building's networks, we can present that up into the internet to all the cloud-based technology companies. And the third thing, which I think is the thing that we need to work on the most, is the people. At the moment, we don't really have very good proactive collaboration between the BMS contractors and electrical contractors and mechanical contractors, good collaboration with the technology services coming from the cloud. So we've done a lot of good work in the last 10 years around technology and networks and, and all that sort of stuff, but we need to work more on the collaboration of the people because, and I'm sure we'll sort of move into this a bit later on, but I think that if the companies who are providing technology and the contractors in the buildings are not aligned in their sort of business practices, that sort of holds things back quite a lot. So for me, a smart building is a highly efficient mechanical control system, good quality data that's been collected and then presented to the cloud, and then
1: trying to align all the different stakeholders together. Perfect. Thank you, Nicholas, the same question to you. When you think about smart buildings, what do you think about? Taking only
0: the last part of what Bryce is seeing is a building that where you actually can collaborate across domains. Uh, ask not what you can do for the building, ask what the building can do for you. And then from that perspective, for me, a smart building is everything in a building. It's not just the HVAC side. It's not the, just the BAS, BMS part. It's everything when it comes to anything that anyone wants to do. It's the same what Price is saying. It's just that we're not there yet. I think that's my definition of a smart building where you can do all of these kind of things, but you still have some way to go. It's not, I think, for the lack of trying. I think it's again, for the lack of understanding. And I think we're gonna go into that later where how we can collaborate across domains because the systems are there in silos. The people are there in silos. It's just that we need to get this together and you know create this uh, connectivity platform to stand on for the future. Perfect.
1: I'm hearing some really solid consistencies. The technology is there, even though perhaps uh, some of it is quite new for us, but the people are absolutely essential. And I'd like to dive into that topic a little bit in a second, because you mentioned there, Nicholas, uh, We have systems we have data silos we have people silos before we dive into fixing or or really addressing that collaboration issue let's talk a little bit about the technology because there are new technologies that have come along so what has changed in the last five to ten years when we look at building technologies or the the innovations that are really there applicable for buildings what are the most important ones that you think are there now available for us that we can start to work on nicholas i'll pass to you first if we look at the building automation industry, I would say I love BACnet because I
0: see that here in Sweden, we don't use it that much. And I can see the difference between UK, the US, and all other parts of the world where Backnet is actually used, where you can get in, get data out. And so I think like BACnet IP or BACnet Secure Connect, and just having this foundation where you can you know, bring out data and then add the data with taxonomies, ontologies. So I think that sort of covers part of the question, I think, the advent of utilizing taxonomies, ontologies, in tandem with getting data out of buildings. I think that provides easy access, or hopefully at least, of getting data out, but actually providing meaning to it in a standardized way. So I think that from a building automation perspective has been extremely important and will continue to be important as well when you're trying to marry the data strategy with the AI strategy. But there's also a lot of technologies outside the building automation realm in terms of virtual reality, augmented reality, for instance, and you know, taking BIM and building information models and these kind of things from the construction side in order to collaborate around the shared reality. And I think that's sort of where we're not there yet and utilize other super buzzwordy technologies like Digital Twins to solve the problems that we've had forever. And I think we need to think more about the other technologies that not necessarily about, you know, the nitty gritty technology stuff or BAS, BMS side of things, but actually again, how we can collaborate
1: together on a shared reality. Perfect. I'd like to dive into that a little bit uh, in depth as well and take it in two pieces. Bryce, a question for you. You know, you work as an independent consultant, you design buildings, you support customers to do that. How important is standardization around data and around uh, integration like BATnet for you when you're designing a building? We don't
2: actually tend to go into that that sort of depth of designing surprisingly and, and possibly why that is some of the problem. At the moment, at best, we're, we're, just, we're sort of specifying things like object naming conventions and how we can structure objects so that once they get into the cloud, when they are sort of sucked up into the cloud, that the data makes sense. Mm-hmm. But we are probably quite far behind in that piece. The moment, I think for the last, say, 10 years ago, we started to focus on these integrated communications networks. That was our first phase in trying to get all the, the networks to, all to catch together. So we did that. And for the first five years of doing these integrated communications networks, we had lots of problems with that, but we're really good at it now. And about five years ago, we started to think about, okay, let's try and get all this data into a central repository, one of these sort of data lakes or data warehouse. So five years ago, we started to see specifications come through trying to organize all of that. But five years ago, we didn't really know what to do with the data or what the applications were just yet. I think right now we're at the point where we're ready for the applications. So at the building level, we've got good solid networks and we're starting to normalize the data in one place. Phase three is now we need the technology provider to build the applications to collect the data. So I don't think we specify so much the backnets, secure, those sorts of things. But the thing that we need to really try and work out here, and it's probably uh, a discussion might go this way in a second, I'm not sure, but... What's holding us back slightly is that the people that are designing the building management system and the method of collecting data are typically mechanical engineers. And 50 years ago, it it made sense for us to, for the mechanical engineers and mechanical consultants to specify the building's control system, because it was a very simple control system, pneumatics, relays, thermostats. And it's just unfortunate that over the last 20 years, as our technologies have significantly advanced in the building management piece. And now we're starting to advance in technologies outside of the building. We're being a bit limited because the specifiers of this should be dedicated technology consultants, perhaps. We're at a key crossroads right now, I think, where we've done well with collecting of data and the cloud technology stuff, but we need to really step forward. We need to have better specifications being created by the services consultants. The mechanical consultant do an excellent job of designing a mechanical control system and a mechanical system, but it's just getting way too complicated now. So to answer your question, those things about how we're specifying that sort of communication or structure, it's not really happening very well because we're still in now the same delivery model that we've been in for the last fifty
0: years. I don't have a good answer for that because we're not really moving forward fast enough on that. Fantastic answer, Bryce. And I think it's not necessarily a technology problem. You explained a little bit the last 20 seconds, it's about the delivery model. It's about the people that has the knowledge about the buildings and then the ones that have more have the knowledge about the IT ways of working, digitalization aspects, putting them in the same room, raising the level of knowledge or like before, if you are talking about new construction, whatever that is, but it is a collaboration act and we need the tools that make this happen in the fastest and the best way possible. And, you know, maybe we need to change some of the delivery models. Maybe it's not only about technology, but about the processes, you know, the culture, the hierarchy, the people, the systems, systems that work in this space. We need to change not only the technology aspect, but in a lot of the things, maybe, in how we do things.
2: I'd almost go as far as to say that I feel that the effectiveness of the next wave of technology is dependent on changing how we build buildings. It's bottlenecking the potential of what we could do, that we're still building the same way we built the last hundred years, But everything's changed now. So unless we sort this out, I feel that technology isn't gonna get away as fast as it could.
1: I'd like to continue on this line of discussion because when we talk about changing the way we deliver buildings, there's been a discussion and a continuing discussion in our industry around different processes like the BIM process, and then what it Mm -hmm. can enable us through that planning and then through the delivery phase linking that to technologies, which we start to see in practice more like digital twins and Nicholas a space where you work uh, quite extensively. We're starting to see this happen. We're starting to see it work. How do we get there on a broad scale from our industry? How do we fix this collaboration process? How do we get more people on the page with the right knowledge at the right space so that we can get ourselves to that point in the future? Nicholas, I'll address that to you first. I'll take a concrete example,
0: well, leading an innovation project here in Sweden. We want to connect the real estate side with the district heating side with the energy producers to bring full transparency into the whole system, right? And to do that with AI driven methods, optimize the whole thing before it even happens, all these kind of things. When we had the pre-session with Bryce, I thought it was interesting because I said something, you know, maybe we can work on this together or you can help me out. Or, you know, I need your input because you're like the BMS guru and we have some Siemens uh, hardware in there as well. <laughs> he said, no, I can't leave. I can't leave Australia for the next 12 months. And I said, well, you don't have to, right? You don't have to do that because... We're taking, you know, the drawings, turn that into BIM files, 3D files. So I showed Bryce, you know, in the conversation, oh, you know, here it is, here are the radiators. Here's, you know, the cabinet. These are like the BMS control systems, all these kind of things. And I think if we found that mentality, even photogrammetry or, you know, photographs or whatever, but the mindset that we could capture reality in whatever shape, form or whatever that is, and then innovate with the world, bring leading experts like Bryce or someone else, Think about it from that perspective, not being limited to the local control people. Maybe they're fantastic, but maybe they're just Siemens people or Schneider people or some other people that they're forced to use. Right now with COVID, we have an obligation to use more modern tools to get the jobs done, not necessarily thinking about taxonomies and ontologies, but also how we collaborate. And I think that doesn't have to be virtual reality or BIM or whatever that is. It's just like, I think it's the mindset that we can get people to help us innovate with the reality that we have, we just need to describe it. And then how to describe it? There are different levels of description. I could show people here, the digital twins of gas turbine power plants, where you can enter in virtual reality where people, the CEO, the mechanical engineers, the electrical, the ones with the skills of that gas turbine catering to the skill shortage gap, they can go in and VR, which they've done, Say this is wrong, this should be here. This is how this fits together. If this thing breaks over here, that's gonna show over here, which is something that is impossible right now for systems to understand because everything is disconnected. Invite to innovate. I think that's sort of what I feel we need to change that. And that is more of mindset than anything else. And then finding the right tools and technology to get the job done, but it doesn't have to be 60 digital twins, buzzword bingo. But I think we have to start with that uh, mentality.
1: I think that that's a really interesting challenge that we're tackling across all of our working life right now. We're having a conversation and Nicholas, you're in Sweden. Bryce, you're in Australia. I'm sitting in Switzerland. This is our normal life. Now we're collaborating across the globe. Bryce, you spend a lot of time training and passing on knowledge to engineers and consultants in your industry. When you hear Nicholas's discussion about how we need to get more people in the room, or we need to get, ensure that the right skills are in the room and we can leverage experts across the globe. How do you see that from your perspective? So bring in that extra knowledge or that specific knowledge that we're going to need to bridge the gap for new technologies, but also making sure we retain the more classic or traditional knowledge that is absolutely still required, like mechanical engineering, Mm. like designing good hydronic systems, like designing good mechanic systems. I don't think that in the first
2: instance, training is the challenge, I don't think. Nicholas and I were previously talking and he described what he just described now, where you would, as a consultant, I could walk into a plant room virtually, right? I could walk through it and we could all walk together, the three of us and discuss problems in real building. I said to him, it's not possible. Uh And the thing is that before we get to training people and that the problem is that the contractors on sites who are building these new construction projects, they have milestones to meet. They've got deliverable dates to meet very difficult to meet those dates. And I think. When Nicholas first told me, when he challenged me on this and said he doesn't accept that, and it's about a mindset thing, I started to sort of think a bit further than that. I thought, well, maybe it is a mindset thing. Maybe if we did actually start to get all the data and the structure in place during the project and, and start building some of this digital twin stuff, maybe that would work. It's just that the construction model isn't aligned. It's not geared up to provide complex technology. So if the head contractors are rushing to achieve a handover date, that's where their focus is. And they're good at doing that. Head contractors can build buildings very quickly and, and meet almost impossible timelines. They can do these things. But right now, it is extremely difficult to build a building in its current form on time. How do we add a complete massive layer of technology stuff, which is very interesting and provides good value? But So how do we actually get that done in the same timeframe? That is the problem. It's not the training, I don't think. I think that individually, all these companies know how to do these things. Mm. If we had unlimited time on any project, we could build the dream solution with everything, if we had the time. The people have the skill sets and the companies have the products, but we need somebody to make a decision to say, okay, on this job, we're gonna build it slightly differently. The success of a project needs to change. Right now, we measure the success of a project at the end that we have air conditioning and the lifts are working and the finances are working. But those technology things, they're not high on the priority list of the head contractors that are rushing towards deadline. So yeah, once you get that sort of right, the training can feed into it afterwards, but the training is probably an easy thing. No, I understand.
1: And and I think that brings us back to that conversation about mindsets and the delivery mode. Because if we try to use new technologies in the same process that we've been doing for hundreds of years, then like you mentioned, Bryce, there's a bottleneck here that really curtails the ability for that technology to add its complete value. So we need to change that mindset a little bit as well to really take full advantage of some of these technologies because we do see it happen. And at the moment, it's one or two or, or lighthouse projects we see. I was talking to a colleague about a project in Austria where you know, they really integrated 3D scanning as a core part of this milestone piece that also helped them build a digital twin, which they now use for the operation phase that they now use. Know, find building operation and maintenance benefits from doing that effort through the process, but it's a mindset and you need everyone to be on board, you can't put it over the top. In a second, we're going to jump into what's driving us as an industry to really take this, but I thought Nicholas, I'll give you a chance to quickly respond, how do you see this chance for us as an industry to change that mindset?
0: I sort of understand a little bit why Bryce get one to training, but what I'm talking more about is again, like raising the level of information needed before we start building buildings and having the same approach when it comes to new construction, as well as existing buildings and get everyone on the same page and collaborate through more modern tools. And this is not fantasy. I mean, this is being done working with BIM or BIM 360 these kind of tools. And it's just adding the IoT stuff afterwards and making this come to life forever, right? So you got to a living asset registry where you have a full representation of that building that is continuously updated over time that we don't know make it so much more valuable for owners because it's gonna increase net operating profit. And for the ones building this, they're gonna do it much, much faster and better, which will curb high premium with less risk. So we get away from actually the mindset of what Bryce is discussing, as in if we had a lot of time, if we have a lot of these kind of things, because you can actually do exactly the same things that we're doing right now for a better price, much, much faster just approaching it a little bit differently. To answer your question, will this come from the existing giants, you know, the construction companies where I'm talking to the CEOs, the leading companies? Maybe. I wish that was so, right? But they're not necessarily there when it comes to the culture, the processes, and it's like this gigantic, titanic ocean something. I don't want them to hit an iceberg that is going to consist of AI and digital twins. But I think we're going to see a combination, hopefully, of New startups and scale-ups that provide the technology can do this, and maybe we're going to see new startups as well that are going to try to disrupt the industry, but it's a challenge, and I think we need both existing players as well as the new players collaborating more on a specific shared reality, and it's not easy, and I think we have to do it together.
1: Perfect, and thank you both for the insights from that perspective, because I think it is really important to understand that need to retain a lot of that traditional knowledge. We need to bring in new knowledge. We need to be able to leverage these new technologies, but it's not going to be something that happens automatically. It requires all of us to start to work with a more of an open mind and start to try some different things.
2: As I said before, we first started with these integrated networks, it took us five years to close those gaps and solve those problems. Then we went into normalizing the data. So we're at that point now where we have the applications that are ready to be overlaid to draw the data and do something so yep. i think we're probably right that if we just keep on the journey the next yep. two three four five years we will solve those problems and we will ad- adjust our models and
1: we will get to where we need to be that's great maybe have a really quick question as you mentioned we've gone through this journey we're now collecting a lot of data we're now much better at normalizing it we have some standards not just from a communication protocols but we're saying to Steve. Semantic tagging norms that be addressed by more companies. So that's going to make our data a little bit easier to manage and utilize. Is the time now, are we far enough along the journey now to really start seeing momentum in our industry, the same as we're seeing momentum in the technology, because technology and the changes that are possible are only speeding up. Are we at the right time now to really take advantage of that and, and also speed up in this mindset change?
2: It's a simple example which would I think would make a change immediately is if we we said to the head contractors, build the building, do what you're good at. And then we have practical completion. We draw a line of sand and we sign off and we pay them. And then there's phase two where we now implement all the technologies. That immediately would change things immediately because right now we're trying to get the head contractor to also deliver the technology sort of under the umbrella of their scope. So they've got too many balls in the air. They're trying to build the thing, get, the, get it powered up and, and commissioned and handed over. And they're trying to deal with all the technology as well. So it might just be that just a few slight shifts in our delivery model enables an extremely fast growth pattern. But at the moment, um, the head contractor has more important things to do in the next three months because he doesn't want to get liquidated damages. So he's got to get that right. The technology is not getting the focus that it should get. In my opinion, I guess.
1: Quick question for you, Nicholas, around why we're talking here about smart buildings. We're talking about all the advantages that we could take from new technology and how we can build things better and faster and in higher quality if we embrace some of these new technologies, but we have a bit of a way to go. Why is it urgent? What is driving us that really means not just we should do this for the fun of it because we like playing with new technology, but we need to do this. From your perspective, what's driving this urgency? you heat waste. I have always hated that. So that's why, you know,
0: went into so to smart buildings and construction, i in automotive, healthcare, working with AI companies and all these kind of things because I just want to, you know, solve problems with modern tools and make everything better. So I think it's a twofold aspect. One is the climate change, uh, climate crisis, sensor emergency from that perspective. And if it's taking, all you know, the industry, what, you know, like 20 years to get to where it is right now. Bryce said two to three years. And I think we are on the right track. But my feeling is that is it happening fast enough when you talk about climate crisis and also what could be done? And that's where I see these companies that, you know, exist, they're not as nimble as some people that work in these companies that wish to be. And I think that's where, from a climate crisis perspective, when it comes to energy efficiency or just doing stuff better, or where we're taking a lot of things from the earth that not necessarily, we could take that from existing buildings, a circular economy, all these kind of things. So that's the one perspective where sense of urgency is important, of course, to get this done faster, but it's also AI first. It's not API first, where I think where we are right now and taking stuff to the cloud. If you're looking at 5G, 6G, where the technology is heading, it's to distributed intelligence, separation of hardware and software, having the intelligence in buildings. I sort of cater to Tesla ways of working. If you have just cloud connectivity and intelligence in the cloud, what would happen to the actual cars or the fleet of cars if that connection breaks? We can't have it like that. And for me, building automation is about local control first, which is fantastic because that's where the paradigm shift is heading not resiliency or like reliance on the cloud, but actually resiliency with distributed intelligence. So I think the combination of what we can do with AI, democratization of AI and distributed intelligence to put that in the actual buildings and to create these autonomous and automated buildings that we talked about for the last twenty years, that would cater to one APA to the buildings, cater to all the stakeholders in an understandable way, utilizing digital twins or this reality capture technology, we could be there. So for me, if we have the tools out there in the world and the people like Bryce, who's a leading expert, combine them, create copy paste solutions that can be transferred to any kind of building in a standardized way and just tweak them a little bit. And I think that's how we could get this going. So climate change, as well as we're utilizing the best technology in the world today. That's what I see. The other part of it from my side is
2: control systems are becoming so complicated now around energy efficiency and understanding how different systems affect each other, how the cooling towers are affecting the chillers and the pumps. We've gotten to a point now where a human can't process all of that. So other than what Nicholas just described, even from us in the building, we need some of this technology to help us crunch data and we sort of are moving forward with building analytics so we've made that progress around sort of automatic fault detection and helping us with maintenance type activities but we do need the next wave of technology and machine learning to help us move the next layer in you know energy efficiency and the complexities around that so again as nick said before that's a tool that we
1: need to progress further you know, within the building perfect Gents, I think this is a perfect place to stop because it's been a really great discussion. We've talked a lot about where we are today, the technologies that, that is coming, the journey we've already been on that sets us up well for the next step of the journey. I'll have one last question for you. If you had one thing to say to the industry as the next step, what's the next step for us on this journey to set us on the right path, to continue our progression in the right direction, what would it be?
0: For me? It's don't be scared of new technology. It's just like any other tool, right? Talk to the people that actually know how to use them and invite them to talk about your problems. Work with industry dynamics. It's not gonna be super expensive. It's not gonna be worse off. It's probably gonna be better. Focus on the KPIs that matter to you. The monetary stuff that you always think about, the levers that are existing in this industry, define your problem or what you wanna do more of for God's sake, and it's just not about problems, but actually what you wanna do more of as well, and just invite the people that work with AI. The only thing that they don't know about is your problems. And you don't have to learn about AI or digital twins or all this kind of, again, like the buzzword bingo, because that's what everyone else is for. Just make it easy for anyone else to come into your reality, define your reality and help them as much as you can. What are the jobs to be done? Don't talk about technology. I mean, it's just an enabler. I, we would like to get more valuable buildings. We would like that someone is not cold And then it could give a point in time. We need to know easier to mechanical, electrical, for all to come together and get this done faster. How can we do this? Can you help us? Don't make it difficult. Like it's just tools. Work with the reality that you have. That's my two or maybe four cents. (laughs) I think a few things you've said before that I found really interesting was
2: that trying to use technology to solve a problem. I know it sounds pretty obvious, but I haven't thought about it exactly like that before. And in the building management system industry, for example, we don't really think about how can I use technology to solve a problem and then solve the problem. You know, we sort of think about technology as this thing that's there and it can do different things. But I don't think, I guess, for us in the building management system industry and possibly in the building services industry, like you say, to start thinking about, we've got a problem here. Can technology solve this problem? Can some machine learning stuff crunch something that will help us solve a problem that we have right now? And that probably is extremely valid. I guess we are not trying to use that sort of technology
1: to solve our problems from Mars space. We're still trying to fix things the old way. Gents, thank you so much. A great way to finish. Think about the problems we want to solve and let's use the tools available for us. Let's start to bring in those experts around. Thank you so much for the discussion and uh, thank you so much for your time as well today. Absolutely. Thanks, it was a pleasure. A pleasure. And thank you to everyone there who has listened to this session. Uh, please make sure you go and find Bryce and Nicholas on LinkedIn find Bryce's videos on YouTube where he spreads a lot of uh, good information and knowledge around building automation systems, technologies around them and behind them. Go and find the podcast from Nicholas, the Beyond Buildings podcast. Grab those, subscribe to it, all the good things. Also find their companies, Lifecycle Controls and also Winio and reach out to them if you have any questions. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast.
0: Remember to like, share, and subscribe. And if you like this episode, make sure to tune in to the next one and also see if other episodes could be something for you. Your host, the master of the metaverse, Nicholas Wern.